0: It is, it is really good to be here. It is very good to be here. And I think it's important to be honest. Boy, has it been a rough couple days. It's been a rough couple days. And I, I want to be honest with you about that. Because I think, I think we want to set a pattern as a church family that uh, when we get together, we, we don't just pretend like everything's going great. We, we don't just pretend like everything is fine, that we should have some level of honesty with one another. And, and i got to tell you, uh, it, it, the stress factor at, at our house has been cranked up to high uh, these past couple weeks, and we definitely appreciate your prayers. Some of you know that, that my father-in-law, John, had to be hospitalized uh, right after Thanksgiving, with uh, not related to anything I prepared for Thanksgiving, I just want to clear that up, but he had to be hospitalized and has really been unresponsive for the last two weeks until yesterday. Uh, Yesterday, was huge encouragement. Amy is there this weekend. She's with her brother and sister and her mom, and uh, they saw some incredible signs of responsiveness just yesterday in him, where he was uh, able to respond to commands to open his eyes, where he was able to move his feet on command. So uh, they know there's a very long road ahead of them, but uh, there was at least lots of encouragement. So thank you. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your continued prayers for Amy and, and for his family, or her family. And uh, you know, our, our youngest son, Kyle, uh, was in a little fender bender. And when you drive old cars, fender benders turning to total cars. And uh, so that was a little stress trying to find a used car. And we found one, but it was a stick shift. Uh, so he and I have been engaging in how to learn to drive a stick these past couple <laughs> days. So as you can imagine, that raises the stress level just a little bit, Um, so continue to pray for him as he's navigating this whole new thing. He actually said, he goes, he feels like the uh, Motor Vehicle Bureau should give you a special license. Uh, uh, I think maybe, I think Nan and Tommy might have been in the parking lot yesterday when we were doing laps, Uh, when they, yeah, wondered what we were doing. We were learning to drive a stick. And just this morning, thank you for being here. Because I know some mornings when you're coming here, it's not like you've been up, you know, having your quiet time and reflecting over a cup of coffee. I know sometimes getting here is a lot of work, and, and I appreciate that. And, and for me, I, I went to roll out of the house this morning at my typical time with everything going as planned, and my garage door completely came off the hinges. Um <laughs> So that's why I just barely made it in time for our 9.30 Sunday school class, because I was trying to figure out how do I get my garage door up or down or whatever it is. Uh, So uh, thank you for your continued prayers. I know that not every morning goes exactly like you think it should, so we'd appreciate that. And oh, if you know somebody who can fix garage doors, please drop their name to me, uh, because uh, yeah, it's been one of those, it's been one of those mornings. But I know you have those mornings too. Uh, I know maybe if it wasn't this morning, it's another morning. And I know sometimes I love the Advent wreath. I love the Advent candles because they are a way to slow us down during what is some of the most busy and stressful times. The idea that Christmas is two weeks away is a tremendous sense of excitement for some of you and total panic for others of you as you think, oh my goodness, we only have two more weeks to prepare for this. So I recognize that. So thank you. Thank you for, for coming and participating in worship. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you as we sing. And, and thank you as we, as we look at God's Word together. Because we've said during this season, there's lots of words that we just toss around. There's lots of words that we toss around that we don't necessarily really stop and think and ponder and meditate about the depth and beauty of some of those words and what they mean. And, and, and last week we talked about the word hope and how hope is a person. Hope just isn't an ideal. That hope is the person... Of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want us to talk about about faith. And and, and what do we mean by faith? Because I think faith is another one of those words that we see at Christmas or we think about at Christmas that's maybe been co-opted a little bit to be something, I don't know, soft. It almost sounds like faith is is a soft word. It's an emotional word. Uh, sometimes we think about faith being... Maybe we'll talk about a blind faith or a, a sense of wishful thinking or, or maybe we'll even relate it to this. I have just believe, Just have faith. But yet, when we look at Scripture, in the Bible, faith is a strong word. Even as we've read this morning from Hebrews 11.1, 1, what it gets described as faith uses powerful words like assurance and conviction. Assurance and conviction. The word when it's used in Scripture has this idea of firm persuasion, assurance, conviction, ground of belief, guarantee, and assurance. There's nothing soft about that kind of faith. There's nothing emotional or, or, or blind about that kind of faith. That kind of faith is solid and concrete, but it's, it's not just the faith. It's, it's the object of the faith that's important as well, too. It's not just wishful thinking or an emotional sense of faith. It's the object of that faith. There's a, a well-known pastor, Adrian, Adrian Rogers, who has said that weak faith in the right object is better than misplaced faith in the wrong object. I'm going to say it again so we can hear. Weak faith in the right object is better than misplaced faith in the wrong object. We don't rely on positive thinking or even in the idea of faith itself. True biblical faith is placed in Jesus Christ alone. It's not about positive thinking, but the object of our faith matters. So when we talk about Christmas faith, when we're talking about the faith that we talk about at Christmas, we're talking that true faith is found in and through Jesus Christ. True faith, real faith, is found in and through Jesus Christ. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 1? I want us to look at Luke chapter 1 this morning as we start to unpack this picture of faith. And Luke chapter 1 is very interesting because it's not just about the birth of Jesus, it's also about the birth of of John the Baptist, there's these two parallel things going on, and it's so interesting when we see these things happen in Scripture, these comparison and contrast of two two different things. I was I was thinking, I know the folks in the Genesis class uh, on uh, Sunday mornings at nine thirty. Just last week, I believe you guys looked at Genesis fifteen six, that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as as righteousness that picture of belief, even the, the New Living Translation doesn't want us to miss the significance of that verse. And it said, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I mean, that is a powerful Old Testament picture of a very core doctrine of the Christian life that we are justified by faith alone and not by works. But what's interesting is I think in a couple weeks you're going to look at Genesis 18 and you're going to see how Sarah, Abraham's wife, responded to that exact same promise of God, that promise that they were going to have a child in their old age, said, "Abraham, believe God." And if you know, I don't spoiler alert, if you're going to go be there in a couple of weeks, it says Sarah laughed at the idea. She, she couldn't even believe it would be possible. She laughed it off as being unbelievable. Two different responses to the same promise of God. One that represented what we mean by, by true faith. One that represented a lack of, of belief. When we look at chapter 1, it breaks down kind of an interesting comparison as well too. I mean it starts off talking about the birth of of John the Baptist verses five through twenty five so just after a brief introduction where Luke tells us why he's writing the book, and again, he uses powerful words again, he says certainty in luke one four so you can be certain of the truths of the things that you were taught right he's again using powerful certain words. We, we see this unpacking of, of John the Baptist and his birth being told and, and Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and all that unpacks between verses 5 and 25. Then in verses 26, maybe down to 38 or so, we see the birth of Jesus foretold. And then after that, from 39 to 56, we see Mary's response. We talked about Mary's Magnificat when we talked about her, her response in praise when we lit our Advent candle this morning. And then it goes and we actually have the birth of John the Baptist in verses 57-66, to and then on into chapter 2 we see the birth of Jesus. So there's these two things being compared and contrasted all through this section. The birth of John, the birth of Jesus. And what's interesting is that in the birth of John the Baptist foretelling, we see Zechariah, and Zechariah's in the temple, and when he hears the angel's message, he responds with a lack of belief. He doesn't respond with, with, with belief because how he responds to it, or, or the response is, he becomes mute. It's almost like a, a rebuke from the angel for his lack of belief in the angel's word that came from God. And because of that, he's not able to speak. And I want us to look at the comparison this morning about how differently Mary responded to the message, as Zechariah did. So let's look. Let's look at this passage. It's Luke 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of the Lord will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Interesting, if if you have a chance to go back and look at that first section of Zechariah, the verses 5 down to 25, you're going to see that it was the same angel. Gabriel came to both. Came to both Zechariah and to Mary. Uh, It was the same angel. And and both Zechariah and Mary responded the same way. They were scared. Uh, They were confused. They they were anxious about the angel. They were troubled. The angel responded the same way. Don't be afraid. You know, this is an important detail for us to always remember when we think about angels. Again, we have this distorted view sometimes from movie and culture about what angels are like. When people encounter angels in Scripture, they're not fat babies with wings. They are scared to death. And they fall before them and there is a sense of panic because every time we see an angel come, the first the response of the angel is, don't be afraid. They recognize the gravity and the weight that this messenger of God is. So there's a, they're told not to be afraid. They're told about the future birth of a son, both John the Baptist, and of Jesus. Both births are associated with the work of the Holy Spirit. Both names are given by the angel to the parents. Both are told they would be great. And both have a future role in God's planned announcement. So there's some amazing similarities to here. So so when we look at this passage, let's look at what the differences are. How is it that Zechariah responded with with a lack of faith that caused him to be mute until the birth of John. And Mary responded the way that she did, even responding in praise and worship that we look. So let's, let's try to unpack this just a little bit. It says in the sixth month of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel. And again, I, I don't want us to miss some of these beautiful things that, that God sent. That God initiated this. It was God's plan from the beginning. God sent this angel Gabriel to this virgin named Mary. She was engaged to a a, a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now that 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 just set our alarm bells off. When when you and I read scripture and we've been If we've been reading all the way through, we know that the Messiah was going to come from the house of David. We know about the promise that that God made to David that a descendant of His throne would would be king forever. Our, Our alarm bell should fire off when we hear that Joseph is a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her. Greetings. The Lord is with you. She's confused and disturbed. The angel tells her not to be afraid. Tells her she's found favor with God. Talks about what's going to happen. How you're going to give birth to a son and he's, his, his name's going to be Jesus. Listen to how it describes this Jesus in 32-33. to 33. He will be very great. He'll be called Son of the Most High. The throne of His ancestor David. There it is again. The King David connection. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. What a powerful picture the angel is giving Mary in this moment about what Jesus is going to be like Mary says how how can this happen if you look back Zechariah says something similar but he says how can I be sure kind of a different response Zechariah responds to the angel with how can I be sure And Gabriel responds hey I, I sit at the feet of God almighty I have brought you this from the throne room. What do you mean? How can how can how can you be sure? For Mary, she asks the question, how, how can this happen? Because I'm I'm a virgin. And then the angel explains to her how the Holy Spirit's going to come upon her. Again, I don't want you to miss this. What a beautiful picture of the triune God that we love and serve. What a beautiful picture of the Trinity displayed here in, in what God is doing through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit, the three distinct but one beautiful pictures of the Godhead that we see defined as our Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all involved in this beautiful announcement to Mary. And then the response to this idea that not only is she going to be able to have a child as a virgin, but even somebody she knows, your relative Elizabeth, even though I love how this translation says that people used to say she used to be known for not being able to have children. She used to be barren. But she is now going to conceive a son as well. And then in verse 37, it says, for the the Word of God will never fail. Some of your translations might say for nothing is impossible with God. And then we see one of the most Beautiful responses in Scripture where Mary responds, "I am the Lord's servant." What a picture for us of confident assurance! If if faith, if faith described is confident, and that's the first thing that I want you to notice. That as we think about the kind of faith we celebrate at Christmas, I want us to see that faith is confident assurance. It is confident assurance and certainty. It is the clear path forward through fear and anxiety. you know It's interesting, and in this passage, even the with the angel coming, it's not that there's an absence of fear and confusion here. There's fear and confusion for both for both Zechariah and for both Mary. They're both responding to things they don't quite understand they've never seen before. It's not that there's an absence of those things here. But what we do see is a clear path forward through the uncertainty to security, to understanding, to confidence, and to assurance. And that is found in this picture of faith. Not soft, not a soft skill, not an emotional response, not a sense of, of blind hope, not wishful thinking, or even worse, maybe the power of positive thinking. That's not the kind of faith here. This faith is linked to real confidence and assurance in the face of things that we don't always understand. Things that don't always seem natural to us. Things that we don't think could ever possible happen like Elizabeth in her age or Mary in her condition. Faith is that confident assurance that God's plan will be will be revealed, will be rolled out, will be put together, will be established. Even though at times, based on our personal experiences or our condition, we might not fully understand how that's going to happen. But what faith is described in this passage is the the path forward in confidence and assurance. The, The reason, again, that Luke wrote this letter that we could have a sense of, of certainty of the truths. Not wishful thinking or positive thinking or, or, or a blind faith, but that we could be certain. And that is where biblical faith begins. Biblical faith begins with confident assurance. The second thing that I want you to see though is not only does biblical faith begin with confident assurance, that this faith is the gift of a gracious God. That the faith that we're talking about is not something that, that Mary could have mustered up on her own. It is something that was given to her. Look with me in this passage when it describes Mary and the encounter with the angel. Don't be afraid in verse 30. Mary, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Now, there's another contrast here, right? We know Zechariah was known for his practice of of faithfulness and holiness in the temple. We saw his piety and his religiosity and his faithfulness being elevated, yet he didn't respond the same way that Mary did. What we see in Mary is her receiving favor from God. This is that, that picture of grace that we often talk about. That it's, it's God's grace that, that comes into our lives. It's nothing about Mary herself in this situation. It is what God is doing through Mary. It's a gift of grace to her for her to participate in this beautiful picture of the birth of Christ. makes us think, hopefully, about passages like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's by grace that we have been saved through faith it is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not works, so that no one can boast. And seeing Mary receive this grace from God reminds us that grace in itself is not meritous work. What we mean by that, it's not that we earn grace in, in any way. I've seen some writers describe it as the beggar's empty hand. It's how it's, it's, the, it's the outstretched hand of the beggar who recognizes they have nothing and they are nothing, and all they can do is receive the gracious gift of God in His grace. I was thinking, have you ever seen those water rescues? I mean, these are some incredible things if you've ever seen them. They've got a helicopter and they've got some guy hanging off a rope, typically in a storm, right? Because typically you never see these in like calm seas and waters. You're in the middle of a storm and there's a helicopter trying to maintain a location over a body of water. They drop some guy down about, I don't know, 100 feet, 200 feet or something like that, or wherever they can, who's got a rope with a life preserver on it that they want the person in the water to throw around themselves so they can pull them up and rescue them. To think that we could somehow earn faith would be like having the helicopter come, the pilot stabilizing it, the person dropping down at the risk of their own life to try to get a a life preserver around us for us to grasp that life preserver to be lifted out by the person and the helicopter and to say, well, I pretty much saved myself. You did what? Well, I pretty much saved myself. What? What? Well, I grasp onto the life preserver. Oh, you mean the one that the helicopter brought and the guy came down and, and threw and, and helped me? That's, that's the one? Yeah. That's the, the picture of us receiving the very grace of God that we do we do by faith that's the picture of faith again in Ephesians 2:8 nine again it's by faith that we that we receive this grace but it's not something that we grow in the in the earning of God's grace through our faith through the religiosities through the practice of 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 our it's not that we earn it now now I don't want to miss also that once we do become believers there is a role for human responsibility but certainly not in the coming to Christ Certainly not in the grace that we receive from Him. And in this picture of grace here, there was nothing about Mary herself other that she was chosen by God for this purpose. It was a gift. It was a gift, a gracious gift of God for her to be used by God in this particular way. We don't ever want to forget that this faith is is this precious gift. It's the the reminder of of what it is to be be saved, what it is to put our faith and trust in in Christ alone. And and we should probably stop separating those words, faith and trust. Because they really are the same thing. That same faith that we're talking about is that same trust and confident assurance. So, how did Mary respond to this grace? How did Mary respond to the gift that was given her? How did she respond to this angel's message and the the explanation of what was going to happen? Well, there's a powerful picture here not only about who God is, but in what our response to Him should be. That that faith in itself just isn't a separate sort of intellectual thought that doesn't affect the the way that we live. That this, this faith is a picture of active obedience. That as we see and receive this gift of grace and as as these things are poured into our lives through the Word of God and we understand who God is through through His Word and His character, this goes us back to that picture we were talking about earlier. It's not just faith in nothing. It's faith in something. And the quality of faith is based on who it's in and, and what it's in. And as we've said that for 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 us as believers true faith is found in and through Jesus Christ and and here we see Mary responding to the word of God being revealed to her through the messenger of God this angel and she takes a a posture of a servant. She takes the posture of sitting under its authority that she is going to be Here's a word we don't like to use very much. Submissive to the Lord's Word in her life. She's going to sit under that authority. She's going to be the servant. She's going to be submissive to that. You know what I think? I think the problem is we don't understand submission very well. I think most of us think about submission more like mixed martial arts than actually the Bible. Uh, Those of you who are big advocates of mixed martial arts, I see you. I know who you are. Um, (laughs) I can just tell by looking at some of you, you're always watching MMA fighting. But but in mixed martial arts, submission is something done to you. It's, it's, It's a forced surrender on you. That is not the picture of biblical submission. Biblical submission is the giving over, the voluntary giving over of that authority to another. And boy, that's a scary thing to think about. I know some of you are thinking about some of your marriage vows at this point and saying, what did I agree to in that whole husband and wife submission sort of act? But you know, again, that's a voluntary giving over to another to be under that authority. And that's the picture here that we're seeing in Mary. Her response to the Word of God and the message of God and and what's going to happen and, and, and take place in her life is to find confidence in the angel's message that nothing is impossible with God and for her to respond, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true. What a place. What a place for our faith to be. That we could have that sort of confidence. That we could have that sense of assurance and certainty that what that what God wants, what God is doing, that we will be actively obedient and to sit under that authority. As believers, we know that it's, it's God's Word that tells us how to live and how to think and, and how to feel. But we also know that without God's Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, you and I really aren't even able to understand God's Word. That it's the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit that that helps us. So every time that we read Scripture, we always want to go to it with a prayerful, submissive heart. And say, every time I open up the Bible, whether it's, it's to read on my own or to read out loud, that we would say, God, help me. Through the power of Your Holy Spirit, help me to understand this the way. That's a picture of this submission to authority. It would be a dangerous thing for, for us to do, is to come to God's word and say, "Well, I know what it says, but I really think that I'm the best judge of, of what it really means." I, I'm sitting in authority over God's word to help, to help figure it out in my own life. Now, it, it's how this you might say, "That sounds sounds crazy." Well, it does sound crazy. And what I've typically found is is I'm really good at adhering to God's word in your life. You know where this is going, right? But sometimes when I read scripture that exposes my own sin, my own rebellion and my own brokenness, I think, well, it must mean something else. There must be some other significance that I'm missing here. And that's not true. That we are all called to sit under the authority of God's word in active obedience. To say, if we say with certainty that we have faith in Christ, then we will also be actively obedient to His Word. That is the the picture of what faith is. That that confident assurance that's more than just, dare I say, lip service. This minimalization of what faith is and a true rock-solid, confidence and certainty that says if this is what God calls for then that's what I'll do have you ever thought about Mary's response that way you ever thought about it as you're reading scripture and you read something that makes you really uncomfortable maybe in relationship to the the way you've been thinking about others or the way you think about yourself or the way you think about the world around you and you you read something in scripture you're like oh my i think that's talking about me i think that picture of a lack of love might might be how i responded to this person in that situation i think i think that picture of of surrendering to the authority of god here maybe maybe i don't necessarily think i've been doing that in every area of my life And when I see that, faith demands that I respond the same way that Mary did. I am the Lord's servant. You know, ultimately, that would be my deepest prayer for every single one of us. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, as God is teaching us through His Word, as we read uncomfortable Scripture, sometimes we call that unclear, but it's pretty clear. We know what it means. (laughs) when we read those uncomfortable Scriptures, will we respond with the same confident assurance of Mary and say, I am the Lord's servant. I know. I don't know. As Mary said, how can this happen? My condition doesn't match up with what you're saying. I don't know how this is going to happen. But if this is God's Word, then I am His servant that is not a fuzzy faith that says just believe. That is a confident faith. A concrete faith. That faith that's a, a gift from God alone. Because you and know, I can't muster that stuff up ourselves. We can't, we can't work up faith like that on our own. That kind of faith, that concrete, that solid kind of faith is a gift from God. And we pray for that. Well, I, I do. I do. I, I, I pray that you will pray daily for that kind of faith. That kind of concrete, certain faith that will allow you to respond to God's Word and His Spirit with confidence and say, I am the Lord's servant. Maybe it's been a long time since you've thought of it. Maybe you've been around church for a long time. and Maybe you've been handling Scripture for a long time. And it's been a long time since you've thought about the role of servant that God has called us to. I've been spending some time in an Advent devotional. I've really been enjoying this past couple uh, weeks and um, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to mess up the title of it, so I'm, I'll, I'll find it later if you ask me about it. But, but it seems like one of the interesting themes that keeps coming over and over again is this picture of stewardship. That what God is calling us to is this picture of stewardship. And I would say it's, it's even more than the picture of stewardship as His followers. It's really a picture of servanthood. It's really a picture of serving and obedience and recognizing the role that God has in his life to sit under who he is allowing his spirit to to teach us through his word. That that would be the kind of faith that God continues to grow that he has given us. So so my first prayer is if if you're if you're here this morning <laughs> Or, if you know people here this morning who have never received the gift of faith, God, I would pray i would I would pray for you and for them that they would, with those beggars' empty hands, open up those hands and receive that incredible gift of faith that they would put their confident trust in who Jesus is and and, and what he has done alone. We talk, sometimes talk about his person and his work, who he is and what he's done that's what we put are confident, trust in. And I would pray that God would, if if you know folks in your life that you have regular encounters with, that that God would move in your life in such a way that you would have this faith conversation with them. That you would invite them to to receive this amazing gift of God's salvation and trusting, not wishful, blind thinking, but confident assurance in who He is and what He has done. And for those of you who have put your faith in Christ already, I would say, are we growing Are we growing as servants? Let's be honest. Are we growing as servants? Are there areas in our lives where we haven't been willing to fully submit to God's Word? Are there things that God's word calls us to? in active obedience that we've kind of been holding back because we think, well, I think that means that for you, but maybe not for me. True faith. The faith that we recognize at Christmas is found in and through Jesus Christ alone. That's the Christmas faith. And I pray that that Christmas faith would be real and growing in your life today and this week. Let's pray for that. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful picture of Mary's response in confident faith. God, we do pray. We do pray for those who are here and those around us who have not completely trusted in you. Maybe for some reason they've been holding back of putting all of their trust in you and and what you have done for us on the cross by by giving us forgiveness from our rebellion and our sins and drawing us close to you. God, please, please ex- expose, expose our sin, expose our need. Help us to recognize that we have nowhere to go but you. And God, when we do, I pray that we will with great joy receive the gift of salvation that comes, comes through you that we receive through this faith. Not that we earn it by faith, but we receive it by faith. That we might live as Your servants. God, help us. Help us today. Help us as we think about how You're at work in our lives that we would continue to want to grow as Your servants in every area of our lives. That we would hold nothing back. That we wouldn't be foolish to think that we can hide things from You. That God, You are at work in our lives as believers to make us more and more like Christ. God, that's that's the faith that You have given us. That's the faith that we celebrate at Christmas. This faith that is in and through Jesus Christ alone. God, I pray that You would draw us to You in such a real and overpowering way that those around us would find new faith in You And those that do know You would have a rekindled faith in You, that they would with great joy want to live and serve as Your servants. In Your heavenly name, Amen.